story. Forget China. The United States of America is now the country which is spying on the world. In astonishing disclosures by a 29-year-old whistleblower who has now sought hiding, ironically, in Hong Kong, some of the extent of a secret U.S. program PRISM has been revealed to two newspapers, which has led to global uproar. Let's take a look at that program. Now, just the details which came out are revealed in the Washington Post and the Guardian of how America actually spies on the world and details of PRISM. This came out in slides released by uh, the, this whistleblower, Edward, Edward Snowden. The previously undisclosed program called PRISM allows U.S. officials to collect material. This costs $20 million per year, a cost the U.S. government was obviously more than happy to pay all in the name of security, begun at the time of President Bush, continued by President Obama. Take a look at this table. This will give you an idea of the breadth of data the U.S. government has access to through PRISM. Emails, video and voice chats, videos, photos, live chats like Skype, file transfers, social networking site details, all under scrutiny through PRISM. This includes the use of keywords that set off security alarm bells. For example, uh, if you use a word, say, terrorist, you could end up on police watch lists or worse. Also, this top secret document leaked by Edwin Snowden details how data collection is directly from the servers of major U.S. Um, global, forget U.S., global service providers like Google, Facebook, Skype, Microsoft. Did the tech companies actually allow the U.S. government a backdoor entry into their systems? Yes, says this NSA document obtained by Edward Snowden, clearly mentioning the assistance of communication providers. No, say these internet giants. They denied any knowledge of the program. But was that possible? Asked security analysts. India is among the top five countries targeted by U.S. surveillance. The largest amount of intelligence was gathered from Iran, but India amongst the top five. However, President Obama has defended this U.S. surveillance effort as a trade-off for security. His defense is that no one is listening to the content of telephone calls. It's just a modest encroachment on privacy and worth it given the security concern. We are being watched without our knowledge or consent. But should freedom be compromised for security? Uh, you can't have 100% security and also then have 100% privacy. This is not an argument that the country's main civil liberties organization is willing to buy. Global outrage and a lawsuit. That is what the American government is battling. In this case, though, the government has used that authority to pick up communications that are not just relevant to an investigation, but all communications on the theory that they can collect everything now uh, and ask questions later. The scale of the National Security Agency's intrusion, phone calls, emails, web visits is alarming. Hundreds of millions of U.S. phone records gathered ostensibly to search for links with terrorists or any suspicious behavior from overseas. The program, codenamed PRISM, even allows the government to tap into nine U.S. Internet companies, including Google, Apple, Facebook and Skype. But Internet companies like Google, Facebook and Microsoft have made it clear that they were mere unwilling participants and are seeking permission to publish national security requests. As outrage and concern grow, more details of NSA's data mining show the program is not restricted to just America. In March 2013, the agency collected a whopping 97 billion pieces of intelligence from computer networks worldwide. Data like who you called, your location, 
but not details of your conversation, what you mailed, what you SMSed or posted on Facebook. India is among the top five countries targeted by US surveillance. Obviously, uh, we would find it uh, unacceptable. Now the Obama administration, under pressure to end the top secret spying program, is seeking to convince lawmakers that this may have helped prevent many terror attacks. In the eye of this storm, a 29-year-old ex-CIA computer whiz, Edward Snowden, who leaked the NSA's most guarded secret. Now the man behind the world's biggest exposure of US secret snooping has gone missing, amidst reports that Russia has offered him asylum. I think that the public is owed an explanation of the motivations behind the people who make these disclosures that are outside of the democratic model. As the controversy intensified, Snowden, who was holed up in this plush hotel in Hong Kong, checked out or has perhaps gone missing. An irony, many say, at a time when America's action is being compared to China's big brother attitude. Germany and European Union have already filed a complaint against US surveillance. In fact, Angela Merkel is expected to take up the same in her upcoming meeting with Barack Obama. In the U.S. over the coming week, a series of closed-door meetings will decide whether in America's decision to sacrifice privacy for safety, it has ended up trespassing individual country laws. In New York, Namrat Abrar, NDTV. So interestingly, of course, uh, also the Civil Liberties Union group in America has today filed a case against the secret program, saying that this basically means that everyone's address book can be looked into. But let's just look again at the details revealed by Edward Snowden. A 29-year-old college dropout is perhaps the biggest such disclosure in the world. Now, he actually released a PowerPoint presentation, which he got as an employee of a defense contractor working for the U.S. government. The, he released 41 slides in this PowerPoint presentation, which was given to the Guardian and the Washington Post. They've released only five of these slides. The first one of the release is called the Prism Overview and stated as recently as April 2013. Now, that, that's the first slide. The top of the second slide release shows the giants of the internet, Google, Facebook, Skype, Apple, all of these servers being uh, tracked, uh, them actually the surveillance program having access to these servers and highlights how the US is the backbone, uh, backbone sorry, of the world's telecommunications, especially as these internet giants have their servers not just in the US but across the world including in the Indian Ocean. The orange blurb says your target's communications could easily be flowed, flowing into and through the US. So what does PRISM collect? Well, metadata, which includes uh, details of emails, video, voice chats, videos, photos, stored data, video conferencing, etc., and notably special requests. This surveillance began as far back as 2007 under, when under President Bush, the US began an unprecedented war on terror. Facebook was added on in 2009, Apple as recently as last October. By law, under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, these servers have to give details to the US government if asked. These are completely confidential court hearings of the FISA. The final page reveals that there are two types of collection upstream, I, that is data flowing past the US and PRISM, which collects data directly from the US-based servers of Google, Facebook, Microsoft, etc. But the remaining 36 pages of the whistleblower's expose is apparently too hot to handle. One of the journalists says, if you saw all the slides, you wouldn't publish them. Julian Assange of WikiLeaks has criticized both the papers, The Guardian and The Washington Post, and said that if WikiLeaks had access, they would release all 41 slides. But as we look at the global debate and the US, let's just look at the details that have been outlined about what 
India is actually planning its new cyber policy, which in a sense, some activists say are as frightening as the US. Nitin Gokhale has mourned. Well, um, uh, Sonia, uh, let me just uh, say this, that uh, there were some officials uh, we have been meeting over the past uh, few years. This is not uh, exactly uh, what you have just said. Mm -hmm. But uh, let me just say that uh, India has now acquired uh, the ability to uh, analyze and um, look at the data, what is called the metadata, the large data that flows into uh, in India and on the ISP servers and basically look at uh, just the the traffic uh, pattern rather than the content of uh, voice or data. Uh, that gives uh, India the ability to uh, analyze and uh, look at the threat assessment and threat prevention. And in that uh, sense, uh, what India has acquired is a national uh, uh, cyber coordination center uh, which is coming up. A national cyber coordination uh, coordinator will also be appointed. Mm -hmm. uh, India is also looking at putting in place uh, the cabinet has approved uh, two things. One is the cyber security architecture, yes. uh, the framework uh, for cyber security uh -huh. and uh, the other is the cyber security policy which will be uh, administered by the Department of Electronics and uh, Information Technology uh, and also all other stakeholders like the MOD, uh, the DRDO, the NTRO, they all will be involved here. We have been told very clearly that there is no way uh, that uh, the kind of traffic that flows into India or out of India or uh, within uh, the systems that India has, that India can actually, uh, Indian uh, system can actually snoop on data, individual emails, individual data or individual uh, conversation. Mm -hmm. That is what we have been assured of completely. This is completely different from uh, what the US uh, system uh, has been revealed uh, in the Guardian uh, scoop that had happened, the PRISM system. Uh, of course, there will be uh, several other uh, steps to be taken in this uh, policy that will be unveiled uh, in a gradual manner. So, so will this have to be cleared by Parliament, Nitin? When will this actually come into effect? Well, uh, the Cabinet has cleared it uh, on 8th of May. Uh, the uh, the, third, the uh, cyber emergency response teams have been in place for a, a, a long time. Yes. Uh, in fact, during the Commonwealth Games, uh, they had prevented almost 8,000 attacks or detected 8,000 attacks on Indian systems. But now this will be gradually uh, rolled out. Uh, what they have done is they have put in place a lot of people. They are going to look at private mm -hmm. sector partnership uh, to have uh, what is what you can call internet warriors. To uh, Basically, this policy is to prevent... Uh, Indian uh, systems, IT systems, power grid, banking, telecom to collapse or to be uh, under attack from uh, cyber attacks from all over the world. That is the uh, intention right. of this policy and not so much uh, snooping at the moment at least. That is what we have been told uh, by our sources in uh, various ministries uh, and in the government. Right, Nitin, but of course there will be a deep uh, worry after these revelations from the US as well. We have seen that several congressmen have also raised uh, concerns about the US and let's just see what the, happens with this Indian uh, policy you just outlined as well. Thanks for that. But joining me tonight, my special guest, I'm joined by Professor Robert Jervis, the Adlai Stevenson Professor of International Affairs from Columbia University. I'm also joined by Suket Umeta, well-known author based between New York and Mumbai. I'm also joined by Minakshi Ganguly of Human Rights Watch. Thank you all very much for joining me tonight. Suket Umeta, first, as a citizen listening to what Nitin Gokhale just outlined about what India's plans are, living through what's actually happening in the United States. How do you look at this whole trade-off between security concerns and the issue of a violation of an essential human right, privacy? Well, as an American citizen and as a person of Indian origin, mm -hmm. I am concerned on two fronts. 
as an American citizen, I'm concerned that my government is monitoring my phone calls, monitoring my internet traffic. And as a person of Indian origin, I am concerned that the US government uh, has mined 6.3 billion reports from India. Uh, President Obama uh, came um, on television and um, made clear that there were safeguards, legal safeguards against American citizens mm -hmm. Uh, data being mined, uh, you need a warrant to get information from uh, the computer of an American citizen. No such safeguards exist for Indian citizens. If the American government wanted to snoop on Manmohan Singh's Gmail account, there is absolutely no legal sanction that would prevent it from doing so. So I'd be very concerned if I were an Indian, the American government can find out who you're emailing, who you're calling, who your lovers are, how much you earn, what you think of your country, what you think of your family. And this data that it is collecting in the cloud, it's something that people all over the world voluntarily surrender to the internet, mm -hmm. to cloud computing, to, the, to Gmail accounts, every time they go on Skype. And this data is being kept in perpetuity and the potential for misuse is enormous. Professor, uh, Professor Jervis, if you could come in on the debate there, because in fact, the debate has only grown over the last uh, 24 hours as it became clear that initial uh, revelations by the US government were actually factually wrong. While some of the worries being raised now, and we've seen a US congressman come out and make that point, that they were not really kept in the loop. Uh, President Obama said that this is something which uh, uh, there is some political consensus on. He's willing to debate it with any member of Congress. But it's clear that there were initial cover-ups by the government and increased worry over, over how this surveillance is actually cleared. Are these worries that you share or do you agree with the view that this is essential to prevent uh, terrorist attacks? In fact, uh, uh, the one congressman has mentioned a 2009 potential New York subway attack which he says was foiled because America had the surveillance. Well, at this point, unfortunately, it's very hard to tell the example that the congressman gave and that I think uh, DNI uh, Director Clapper gave doesn't make a lot of sense what they've described does not require a lot of data mining and it isn't clear really that the evidence came from the programs they're talking about. The essential problem is yes there are legitimate security concerns. I suspect these programs do yield valuable information but they raise very troubling issues of privacy and civil liberties but the irony is we as the citizens and even most members of Congress can't intelligently debate what's being done unless we're told more about mm -hmm. what is being done. And the administration, of course, says, well, we can't tell you because if we tell you, then the terrorists uh, will be able to hide the information. There's something to the administration's argument, but I think it is really exaggerated. My guess, and I admit I don't know many terrorists personally, but my guess is that any of them who are competent assume that their communications are being monitored as much as the U.S. can. Mm -hmm. And so I think it would be safe to reveal more about the kind of data we're gathering, not the, all the details, but the kind, so we can have an informed debate about the trade-off between security and privacy. And by the way, I agree with Mr. Medic that this is not only for American citizens, the uh, protections that they mm -hmm. have 
uh, citizens of other countries don't. In fact, I want to bring in Minakshi Ganguly uh, specifically on that point because uh, the whole kind of disregard, as it were, for the rest of the world in the U.S. defense and President Obama's defense. Do you think that's really frightening? Because also the point others are making is that other governments may well pick up from what the U.S. is actually doing. We've heard uh, Nitin Gokhale just outline what the Indian plans are for their cybersecurity network. And we hear the same assurances, but in practice it may be very, very different. Absolutely, Sonia. It is, it is uh, really, really crucial at this point of time, at a more practical level, to understand that technology offers much more experience, that the net is, can be cast really wide, and your privacy. But that said, the blightness, blightness with which the U.S. administration has suggested that it was perfectly comfortable for other people, surveying other people around the globe, is of deep concern. It, US, it undermines the U.S. as a champion of internet freedom because it, what is the U.S. suggesting? Oh, please be free on the internet because we can track your data. It, it is shocking all around. And, and most of all, it does send completely out about uh, privacy and, 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 uh, and the freedom of expression. But in this key element of privacy, many have, uh, we've seen that uh, various uh, people have argued. In fact, The Economist also uh, has written an article, uh, just, uh, an article from The Economist just says, does the government have a right to know more than Google? Making the point that in a sense, privacy is a misnomer when you're on the internet anyway. And uh, Milind Deora, the Minister of State for IT, had made this statement in a Google Plus hangout recently when he was talking about what India is planning, the central monitoring system. Let's just hear what Milind Deora said. Today, a mobile company, if they want to unlawfully intercept your conversations, Nikhil, they could without you knowing it. With the CMS, the mobile company cannot do that. And that's one of the reasons why we're implementing CMS at a rapid pace, because it will protect your privacy, Nikhil. It will ensure that nobody can play hanky-panky. And two, uh, it will ensure that only government, not the operator, uh, the mobile company, is privy to any sensitive information in this country. Suketu so, Mehta, when it comes to trusting the government more than Google, privacy laws, uh, how much uh, Google or Facebook knows about you is anyway a controversial issue. Why is it okay for Google or advertising to know about your email details or phone call details and not the Obama administration or the Manmohan Singh government? Well, I think there's a weird confluence of uh, commercial and political interests here. Mm -hmm. um, Google is a private company. Uh, there are many other private companies. Now, the U.S. government uh, seeks to advance the interests of its corporations around the world. Let's say an Indian multinational is competing with an American multinational for a contract in Europe. What's to prevent the U.S. government from using PRISM or boundless informant to get the data of the Indian company, find out what it's bidding for the contract, and pass over that data to the American company? to advance its economic interests. I mean, this is incredibly frightening. It's, and when uh, uh, Google or um, Facebook or Skype says they are trying to protect our data and periodically uh, they will make noises about Chinese censorship, mm -hmm. I mean, this is equally censorship. The point is that no government is to be trusted with your data. Not the Egyptian government, not the American government, not the Indian government. Assume any time you go on the net that your communications are not safe. If you really want to keep it private, then use a homing pigeon or use quill and ink. Uh, in this age of electronic communication, 
anything you write to anybody is subject to somebody else's snooping. And realize also that the internet has been incredibly effective mm -hmm. as a means of democratic democratic communication between people looking to bring down tyrannies. I mean, the role that the internet played in the Arab Spring was mm -hmm. tremendous. It brought down tyrant governments all around the world. Mm -hmm. This is why governments seek to control the net, seek to snoop on your data, because they are afraid of the democratic power of the internet. Minakshi Ganguly, over to you on that, because Human Rights Watch globally, of course, has raised these issues as well. And also, perhaps from you, more specifically in the Indian context, because we've seen already how Section 66A of the IT Act has been misused for the most bizarre reasons. So, in the sense, policy can be drafted, but the implementation, at least in India, is a huge issue. Sonia, this is the truth of the world that we live in today that Suketu did mention. There is always surveillance. Uh, there is surveillance because uh, there is need for security. We all, we all get that. The problem really is, who are you surveying? Are you going to cast the net so wide that everyone is covered and then try and find literally what appears to be a needle in the haystack? You're trying to just spot words or do whatever the hell you do with this, with, with this technology. But, but the truth is that, yes, how does that data then get, is it likely to lead to abuse? And there we are concerned about situations such as in India, where unfortunately if there is, if there is this sort of, sort of surveillance and suddenly we find someone uh, posting something on, on Facebook and it is, you know, and they're charged with sedition or they're charged under the 66A of the internet regulations. These are, uh, these are all problematic uh, issues that have to be dealt with as we grapple with the, concern, with the concerns for security. And, and uh, as of now, I'm afraid uh, what, what the U.S. example has shown us is that uh, there has to be much, much more done. Much more done which comes from the liberties prism as opposed to that comes from just a security prism. And I do want to add another thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Indian state has launched its own pro programs, but equally, just as the EU has, has called upon the U.S. to explain exactly what's going on with the surveillance program, so should India. Because yes, India might be surveying its own surveillance laws, must be applying to Indian nationals, and that is something Indian nationals should fight about. But if the U.S. is, is, uh, you know, is treating India as one of the five most uh, uh, targeted nations, that's something that the Indian government should raise with the U.S. government. In fact, uh, Suketu, just come back also on the details of how this actually came out. In a sense, that's even more frightening because if something which is of such great uh, national security can be leaked so easily by, as I said, a 29-year-old college dropout who's now seeking a refuge, in a sense, in Hong Kong. The irony is uh, evident there and also the focus on the media coverage of it. You've heard Julian Assange of WikiLeaks come out saying, why is it that all 41 of the slides have not been made public by The Guardian and The Washington Post? There is, so there is a very fine balancing line between the public's right to know and national security is a tough choice for any journalist. Sonia, there are half a million Americans sitting in front of computers right now who have direct access to your email. And this is a frightening thought. I mean, Edward Snowden, I think, is an American hero. He's one of these peculiarly American individuals that history throws up from time to time. And I think that uh, many of uh, his statements are almost Gandhian, this kind of civil disobedience. He just said to uh, the South China Morning Post that he wants to stay in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. not because he wants to uh, run away from justice, but because he wants to talk about criminality in the U.S. government. Um, so this is, I mean, it, it's a great thing that a man like Snowden came along and revealed what's actually going on 
in the U.S. government, its blatant violation of the Constitution, its trampling upon privacy rights in the name of security. But who knows what else is out there that we don't know about. Remember, the government did not voluntarily disclose this information. Obama has said it's good that there's a debate now that's going on between the trade-off between uh, security and privacy. I mean, the man is a constitutional law professor. Uh, he should have been ahead of this issue. And mm -hmm. uh, the claim is that all three branches of the government, um, uh, there's a system of checks and balances. Mm -hmm. There's a court called the FISA court, which approves every uh, request to spy on Americans. But this court is a rubber stamp. Uh, uh, it, last year, uh, it rejected some uh, out of uh, tens of thousands of applications for uh, search warrants. It rejected around 12 of them. So I have very little confidence uh, in the legislative or the judiciary that it's actually doing its best to protect constitutional rights. And this thing about you know the security trade-offs also, I think, is, is overestimated because we have no clue. We do not have the information to make a judgment for ourselves whether it's uh, this giving up of our privacy is warranted, whether the government is telling us the truth. Right. So th that I think is really the, also the impact on uh, President Obama's uh, credibility is key and questions being raised around the world and what similar government action is happening, how the US is actually spying on the world. Huge issues raised there. Thank you so much, Suketu Mehta and Akshi Ganguly, for joining me tonight on this.